know, I think it's very easy for many of us as we go through the Christian life to experience many discouragements from uh, perhaps some of the persecutions and maybe the trials that we face in our, in our Christian walk of life. Maybe for some of us, we're very aware of the increasing amount of hostility that the world has towards Christianity. Maybe some of us are discouraged because we see how those we know in the world are embracing ideologies that are anti-Christian or that go against the truths of faith that our Lord Jesus Christ has revealed to us. And maybe for some of us, that discouragement can hit really close to home as we see even members of our own family, just as Jesus uh, tells us in the gospel would happen, even members of our own family, perhaps either embracing some of those ideologies Maybe some members of our family choosing to reject the Christian faith or wanting nothing to do with uh, Jesus and the Catholic Church. Well, what if I told you today that we could find great consolation from the word of God today, great encouragement? And what if I told you further that in our second reading, the letter to the Hebrews, that the original audience, the audience that the letter of the Hebrews was intended for, the early Christians, that they too were in, under threat of losing heart and giving up and running, the run, and running the race of faith because they too were undergoing uh, many discouragements because of the persecutions and the cultural pressure that they were facing and because of also uh, they were weighed down by the daily struggle of sin. And if that's the case, then we have great news for us. Because in the second reading then, for all of us, as we persevere in the race of faith, in our faith life, it is the words of our second reading that we need to take to heart. And so as we dive into it, we have to understand the way in which the second reading is presented to all of us. And see, in the second reading comes from the 12th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. And it presents the encouragement, the consolation, using the analogy of an Olympic race. See, it, uh, it calls us to imagine ourselves or imagine, right, the Christians to be in a giant stadium, a stadium filled with many crowds, uh, many fans. And that stadium is electric. There's great energy as they're cheering on their favorite athlete. And as they're cheering on their favorite athlete, hoping that the athlete would be the first one to cross the finish line and win the race. And maybe for some of us, right, a more relatable analogy would be that of a Super Bowl game. Imagine just how the, all the, uh, much of the U.S. is just tuning in, not just on their TVs, but the stadium is filled with fans wishing to cheer on their favorite team. And maybe I love to imagine this, that the Lions perhaps going even further are in the Super Bowl. And just imagine the excitement that one of the running backs is on a breakaway for the game-winning touchdown. Just imagine just the great energy that the crowd is cheering on the running back to get to the end zone. Well, the author to the letter of the Hebrews presents to us this analogy because he wants us all to be aware that invisibly, we are all living in that sort of race. That this time, instead of just regular fans and crowds, we're gonna be surrounded by saints and martyrs who have already completed the race ahead of us and before us. And that they, with great power and conviction, are cheering us on. And us, we are the athletes running the race of faith, 
crossing the finish line to reach the great prize of victory. And it is in that context that the letter of the Hebrews tells us these words, which all of us, because you are in the race, must listen to and take to heart. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us. See again, that cloud of witnesses are the martyrs and the saints, since the martyr in Greek means witness. And all of us are encouraged first and foremost in running the race to rid ourselves of every burden and to persevere. And that brothers and sisters is what is so crucial for us to take home today. That point is the importance of persevering because the race we are in is not one of a sprint. It's not a hundred meter dash. The race we're in is a more long distance. It's a marathon. And therefore the key to winning the race then is that of perseverance. And so knowing that in our letter to the Hebrews, it gives us three ways uh, in which we can persevere and continue to persevere in the race of faith. And I offer three ways in which we can persevere. The first is that the letter to the Hebrews says that we are to rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us. And that's so important because we can imagine that star athletes, right, when they're preparing the off season, they're undergoing their workouts, they're improving their technique. But most you can see that any disciplined athlete, what they're trying to do is shed off every excess body weight so that they can perform better and faster, more efficiently. And maybe even some sports too, where they wear aerodynamic, uh, not aerodynamic clothing, but clothing, right? That is more able to allow them to perform better as well. Well, for all of us Christians in our race of faith, what we are meant to get rid of are as well burdens that will prevent us, right? From running this race of faith and completing the finish line. For example, maybe for us, what those burdens are is conclude an excessive attachment to worldly possessions that may distract us from the end goal. Maybe it's an over-reliance on uh, security that we can find in the world, worldly security. Or maybe for some other of us, some of those obstacles can be a, a focus on the esteem of others. And so we are called to get rid of these burdens for they weigh us down and prevent us from running the race. But the, Hebrew, the letter to the Hebrews also says that we're also to, to remove, right, any burden of sin as well. Because sin are obstacles before us. They entangle us. And sin is much like, say, an obstacle is on a track in the track and field. That sin is like an obstacle on the track that if a runner is sprinting, he could trip on it and he falls. And again, they can't run the race. And so all of us, too, by the grace and mercy of God, are called to have in folks in mind to rid ourselves of our sins and old habits of sin, our old ways of life that we had before uh, we followed Jesus and had him be Lord of our life. And so by doing that, we are more free to persevere in the race of faith. That leads us to the second point is that we could persevere by fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
See, just as a sprinter is focused on the finish line or a running back focused on the end zone during a breakaway, we are meant to fix our eyes on Jesus who has already reached the goal ahead of us. And the reason why we do that is because our perseverance, our endurance lies rooted in Jesus's endurance. It is because in Jesus endured the cross that we are able to endure as well any discouragements and persecutions and trials that we face in life. Because by looking at Jesus, we see the graces that he has won for us. That all the insults, all the misunderstandings, all the false accusations, all the injustices, all the tortures and bodily torments, Jesus persevered through. And having persevered through it and accomplishing the victory by his death and resurrection, he won for us graces to be able to endure those same things. So that relying then on his help, on his perseverance, we may be able to persevere. But we also do we fix our eyes on Jesus because it says again in our second reading that Jesus persevered knowing of the joy that lay ahead of him, the joy that lay before him. And what was that joy? That joy for Jesus was all of us, all of us being redeemed by his cross and resurrection, all of us being saved, right, from our sin so that we could be with him forever in heaven. And Jesus endured it even though the people he was trying to save were going against him. And yet he paid no thought to it because of the joy that lay ahead of him. And that teaches us by looking to the example of Jesus that we are to have the proper motivation. The motivation meaning that we are to have before us in our mind always the joy that God has laid before us the joy of the eternal bliss of heaven, the joy of reaching the rewards and promises of our faith that our Lord Jesus so freely wishes to give to us. That then should be our motivation in running the race. And so that leads me to my third point, is that in order to persevere, one healthy way to persevere is remembering the witness of the martyrs. Again, we hear in the second, in the, in the letter of the Hebrews, it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Now, since it's the way of encouraging for some of us, it may seem as an odd way to encourage someone to persevere by saying, cheer up, you have not yet been martyred. But the point is here, is that we are supposed to look to the example of the martyrs because by looking at them, by seeing what they, uh, their example, the point is, is that we see just how much the martyrs valued and treasured the gift of faith that they had in Jesus. That it was so something so precious a treasure to them that they were willing to pay the ultimate price. Truly it is by their witness Right? By their witness, they teach us what is truly important in our life. That is our faith in Jesus. 
something more important than our earthly life, anything in our earthly life. Because it is through our faith in Jesus that we have access to the bliss and rewards of eternal life, a life of immensely better quality and value or quality and, um, and joy. Therefore then, what that means for us is that not only are we encouraged not to stop persevering in the race of faith, but also to know that we should not consider so lightly abandoning or giving up a gift that is so precious, the gift of our faith, knowing that the martyrs gave up their lives for it, knowing just how much and how important it is for us. But what's also important is knowing that the witness that the martyrs gave also gives witness to the fidelity of God. That yes, the martyrs, they were faithful to God, they per persevered in the race, but even more so, it shows a deeper reality that they were able to persevere because they were relying on God and God is always faithful. And relying then on the fidelity of God, God was able to accomplish his victory through them and they were able to persevere. So that means then for us, as we look to the martyrs, we remember that God is faithful to us and that whatever we face in our life, whatever trials or situations, that we know that we have a God who is victorious and is willing and, and wants to lead us to the perseverance, the final goal of faith. And so I end with this. Just consider how in our world, how many athletes, whether in the NFL or in the basketball, they strive to win championship rings, Super Bowl rings that won't last forever. And many Olympic athletes who strive to win gold medals that they cannot take with them when they die. And yet, if we are able to admire such great feats, and if yet the world seeks to strive after such things, and they do as well, why not us all the more strive to persevere for that crown of victory that lasts forever and share a glory that we cannot possibly imagine, the glory that comes in the victory of Christ. And so as we approach now the Lord Jesus in communion, let us ask him for the gift, the grace of final perseverance. And let the following words of St. Paul echo within our own hearts. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us, to us.